What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 130 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Finally, some, uh, some real fights to talk about, huh? Yeah, yeah. Boxing kicks off the, uh, the final quarter as the fall season approaches, and this weekend in London, England, we get the first big fight um, of the final months of 2016, Triple G versus Kel Brook. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez moves up in weight, a rematch of Kamagai versus Soto Carras. Danny Jacobs in a rematch versus Sergio Mora um, in a really good fight for the vacant IBF lightweight title between up-and-coming rising prospect Robert Easter Jr. and a really, really tough Richard Kami. Lots of news and notes from around the globe, but we just want to say before we kick things off, Thanks for tuning in to episode 130 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, and Google Play. Drop by theboxingrant.com for all the ways to subscribe to the show today. Hit us up on Twitter, at VinceCummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. And hit us up on Twitter, at TheBoxingRant. All right, Vin, Sports Rant Radio presents episode 130 yes, sir. of the Pound for Pound King, and we kick things off with this Saturday night's HBO Championship Boxing Doubleheader, kicking things off here in the United States, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the O2 Arena in London, England. It's the WBC, IBF, and WBA Unified Middleweight Champion of the World, Gennady Golovkin, taking on IBF welterweight champion, Kel Brook. Vince. The WBA has announced that they will not sanction this fight. So this fight will only be for the WBC and IBF belts on the line. I don't think either party really gives a goddamn. No, I, I, that makes no difference in this fight. I mean, the way the WBA like uh, picks and chooses their fucking battles, like, come on, there's no consistency. You're not going to sanction this fight, but God forbid you force Jacobs to fight. And apparently... You know, that, that may be the next fight in line for Golovkin is Jacobs. I don't know. But it's taken, what, two fucking years Oh yeah, for them to enforce that? Yeah. I mean, they, they just they do whatever they want. There's no fucking rules. No, there's no rhyme or reason. No. You can't act all high and mighty like you're doing boxing and Kell Brook a favor when all you've been doing is what has been fiscally uh, advantageous to the World Boxing Association. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I say? Thank you, WBA. I will not pay your sanctioning fee yeah. and be glad about it. Oh, I guarantee you that old Suleiman's sitting there frothing at the mouth now that he gets a bigger slice of the pie. You know what I mean? Oh, he always, he'll take seconds, whatever you want to give him. Yeah, they'll put a buffet up in the ring as he uh, uh, puts the WBC hat and T-shirt on whoever wins this fight. He don't care. Uh, Triple G versus Kell Brook, the biggest storyline surrounding this fight. 
since its announcement has been the controversy. Whether Whatever side you stand on it, there are definitely two opinions uh, regarding Kell Brook moving up from 147 to face arguably the most dangerous fighter on the planet. This story, Vin, I think for me anyways, it's kind of, kind of devolved a little bit. It's kind of lost momentum and steam because it's that crowd that their excuse is, is that it's a welterweight jumping up to fight a middleweight, but they don't even consider boxing history and the fact that before these, these intermediate weight classes were plugged in, that guys used to jump from welterweight to middleweight, from middleweight to light heavyweight all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, this isn't something that, that boxing has never seen before. And the fact of the matter is this, man. I mean, however you want to approach and whatever side you take as far as whether you think this fight is a, is a complete farce because of that jump and wait for, for Brooke, it, 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 don't, blame, don't blame Brooke and don't blame Golovkin for this fight and don't blame Eddie Hearn because they, this is not what they originally wanted, okay? This is what we got because, let's face it, the rest of the fucking middleweight division is being a bunch of big, fat fucking pussies right now Yeah, that won't step up to the plate. They're too scared to fight the monster. So, so this is what we got stuck with. I think we know Brooke is he's done at 147 and I think was done at 147 before this fight was announced. So we're, we're really talking about a guy that was going to be at 154 anyways, just taking the extra six pounds. Obviously, we see in these, in these lead-up weigh-ins that, uh, yeah, the weight was there. That he's, I mean, this isn't, he's not eating up to the weight. He's, he's naturally seems like he's a, walks around at 175, 180. Oh, he looks far more healthy now than he did at, at you know, the last couple weigh-ins that he participated in. This is more of a, look, I, I would paint this fight like this and the people that want to call it a mismatch. It's more of a mismatch in skill than it is in size. And that's the bottom line. I don't, the, the size to me is, it, it matters, but it's not as, as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. Especially, I mean, dude, when this fight was announced, it was fucking people up in arms about it. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody just wants to, I think, I think the, the, you know, the detractors on this, they want to call people, you know, like myself who believe that this is completely different than the circumstances surrounding Canelo Alvarez fighting Amir Khan. Mm -hmm. They want to call, you know, somebody like me a hypocrite because I have a different point of view on this fight that I'm being a homer on the fighter that I prefer Right. When in reality, the circumstances surrounding this are so unbelievably different that I'm not speaking out of, out of both sides of my mouth. I honestly and truthfully believe that the circumstances that you just outlined with the weight, I don't need to go through that again, that physically this is going to be a pretty even match. OK, mm-hmm. uh, as far as size, I don't know about strength. I don't know about punching power. You know, we got two really skilled fighters here. But the truth is that Kell Brook will be a healthy middleweight in this fight. Amir Khan, okay, Amir Khan was picked as an opponent to sell tickets, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was picked because Canelo was not ready yet for Gennady Golovkin, delaying it, throw a big name in there. But the truth remained was is that Khan had never shown a reputation of being able to beat killers at 147 pounds. His best weight was 140 pounds, and he was also knocked out at 135 pounds. Kell Brook's never been knocked out. Kell Brook is, it was the biggest, strongest welterweight in the world, obviously clearly bursting at the seams. Um, yeah, there was the fight with Errol Spence looming for the mandatory, mm-hmm. but with nothing else showing, 
with no with with the inability to close fights with the likes of Timothy Bradley and Brandon Rios and Diego Chavez and for whatever reason those fights going to the wayside he steps up i think he just realized dude if i am going to be forced to move up and i'm being offered this contract that Chris Eubank Jr turned down in the 11th hour mm-hmm. where i'm going to make career high money career high exposure and as long as i show myself well i'll still be good i can either drop down to 154 or stay at 160 and probably have a pretty good career yeah, a loss to Golovkin does nothing to hurt where Brooks' career goes after this fight. Uh, I, I think he can drop down to 154, and he's in a big fight with any number of a handful of guys there that are holding belt. I mean, there's four guys. Each one has a belt. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of options to go after and make a big fight in, in that weight class. I just look. As upset as people were about this fight when it was announced, Ken, I just don't, like... You're getting an undefeated fucking champion who who is clearly, clearly the most, in my opinion, the most skilled all-around fighter that Golovkin's ever been in the ring with. I don't give a flying fuck that he's an inch shorter. I mean, that's fucking negligible. I could care less about that. Right. The problem with this fight is, like I said before, I don't think Brooke has the particular skill set that, that troubles Golovkin. It's going to take a guy that has a world-class jab and world-class lateral movement to give Golovkin trouble. And that's just not the fighter Kelbrook is. So I don't think he's going to fare that well in this fight. No. But let's, on the surface right now, he is minus, uh, or Golovkin's minus 450 to win this fight. Yeah. These are the closest odds. And, and it's been that way since the fight has been announced. It's not like. Money is going on one side and changing odds here. It's This was before they did those weigh-ins to see how much, you know, we didn't know how big Kell Brook was right. before those odds came out, and they still didn't move after the fact knowing that he was going to be physically healthy at 160. Yeah, I think you get, you get a part of the U.K. casuals, too, that are probably actually think that Kell Brook has a chance in this fight because there's plenty of them out there. Oh, I'm reading a ton of shit. Man. I see my boys from the next big pod retweeting them all the time. It's like, these guys are fucking retards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, look, skill-wise, all this stuff, I, I, I don't disagree with you about Kell Brook not having the right style to be able to give Golovkin fits, but I honestly think a bigger factor than that is that Kell Brook does not have any experience at 160 pounds he's never been hit by a 160 pounder um let alone Golovkin yeah exactly completely different animal exactly I mean dude you saw back in the day you know before like all-time greats like Roberto Duran and Chavez and you know guys like Sugar Ray Leonard they moonlight at you know whatever weight they were moving up to when they jumped from 147 to 160 dude they moonlighted for two or three fights before they jumped at 160. This guy's going straight from 147 to 160, so which does make it, you know, substantial, uh, you know, you know, substantially risky. But dude, at the end of the day, man, I think Kell Brook is uh, a completely different fighter than Amir Khan. I think that his track record has has shown that he is a tough, strong fighter. But like you said, with the you know the skill sets involved in this, let's be honest, Kell Brook has always been the bully in the ring. He's yeah. always been the clutch. Yep. He's always been the clutch go in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he did it to Porter. That's how he beat Porter. Yeah. He clutch goed Porter, which, and Porter is one of, if not the, the strongest welterweight now that Kell Brook isn't there. He's one of the two or three. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that, uh, Golovkin's power. I look, we may see the first two or three rounds where Brook has a little bit of success mm-hmm. because he may be the faster puncher 
you know, off the jump. Right. But after uh, Golovkin figures it out and starts stalking Brooke and Brooke realizes he can't stand his ground against Golovkin, things will get ugly quickly. And without going, you know, breaking this fight down too much more further than that, I mean, I think, honestly, I think this is going to be a good, exciting fight. The crowd is going to be absolutely insane, but I think it's going to end with Gennady Golovkin chopping him down with a hook to the body, and I think Brooke takes a knee. Um, Brooke might get back up. The crowd goes wild, yeah. and Gennady Golovkin lays the hammer on him while he's hurt. But I think it's going to be a body shot that does the initial damage. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. The way I see this fight going is, and, and this will play a, fa- a factor for me on the Brook side, is I think he'll do well early. Uh, not, not Maybe not win rounds, but he'll, he'll fare well for himself. But I think after a while, uh, another thing about coming up in weight, what he's not used to it right, right now is – you know how does his how does his energy carry late into a fight exactly with with all this extra weight? I mean, he's going to be at I would venture to say 168 pounds in the ring. And you saw how he's built, so most of it's going to be muscle. Yeah, and that doesn't translate to endurance. Yeah, and, and I, he's not a super quick guy to begin with. I think he gets tired. I think somewhere between rounds seven and nine, G grinds him to to a halt. It'll either be an accumulation or just one fucking huge shot that just puts him to sleep. So you're not really giving Brooke any chance at all? I, I don't give him a I give him a chance early to to look okay. But it, dude, Golovkin's too fucking good, man. Brooke has never, ever been in the ring with a guy anywhere near the skill set of Golovkin. Well, look, the conversation about Golovkin always gravitates towards the power in the knockout. But it's like we said in in, you know, like a match against David Lemieux. I mean, we just saw how Golovkin was able to take a murderer. And, and, and David Lemieux, an absolute maniac, a barbarian in the ring, mm-hmm. and completely neutralize him with basic boxing moves. With a fucking jab. You a know? killer jab. And showed an ability to evade without having to look flashy. I mean, his defense was impeccable. The lead shoulder was always protecting the chin. He popped in and out with that thunder pole jab, like you just said. Um, I think people are underrating his boxing skills. I think they always have. Mm-hmm. And as, as classically trained... And as classically skilled in the four punches that Kell Brook is, Gennady Golovkin is a far superior boxing IQ and just natural boxer in this fight. Take all the power away from it. I think he would. If, if, if Golovkin had two career knockouts with his skill set, his boxing ability, uh, he'd probably end, still end up winning you know, nine out of uh, 12 rounds. Yeah, I, I don't disagree for a second. To me, just Golovkin's on a different level than... Uh, pretty much everybody around that weight. This isn't a shot at Kel Brook. No. He just is. No. Yep. Gennady Golovkin versus Kel Brook. I'm, dude, I'm looking forward to it. The 530 start is nice. Yeah, I don't I don't mind a little midday boxing. Like I said, the match, the, the mismatch talk doesn't scare me away from watching this fight. No. Dude, you will always tune in to watch one of boxing's great power punchers and operators in triple g i mean what yeah if you don't watch this you don't really like boxing yeah he is one of a handful of fighters that is worth watching no matter what all right so later on that evening on hbo again um roman chocolatito gonzalez the number you know the consensus number one pound for pound fighter in the world moves up to the 115 pound division and squares off against carlos quadras okay Carlos Quadras is the 115-pound WBC champion. Got a really shiny record. Mm-hmm. Um, a very experienced fighter, 35-0. and 0. Uh, Only blemish is, is a draw. 27 knockouts and 35 wins. The dude is strong. Yeah. And he's sturdy, Vin. Young. What is it that Carlos Quadras has to do outside of what you have seen in the video you've watched 
to be able to take out the pound-for-pound king? That, that's the million-dollar question there, my friend, because he, I, I don't know if I see it. You know, Quadras is a tough guy, like you said, very good, very skilled fighter, young. He's got everything going for him coming into this fight. But what I see of him as a fighter is, is a guy that likes to operate at range. He likes to he likes to use straight punches. I think a lot of times you you, you see him he, when he gets in exchanges, he drops his hands. He drops his hands down around his waist. Everything comes from the hip. He starts shooting these shots, and he and he's kind of he's I don't want to say off balance, but he's not very planted. He's very kind of a herky jerky ish style in these exchanges. I don't think that this that that style fares well for him. I, I think what he's what's going to end up happening is he's going to get drawn in, like almost everybody does. What Gonzalez just seems to close the distance on fighters, and he's the best catch and shoot in the pocket fighter in boxing, which which is what makes him fun to watch. I mean, there's there's not a guy that's better in the sport that draws you into his fucking his 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 death trap basically, yeah, and gets you to throw punches and you land all over his shoulders and gloves and they. Glancing blows on him, on him, while he just fucking catches you with clean shots, yeah, and and a few rounds of that, and you're you're worn down, and he's got you exactly where he wants you, and I just think we're gonna see more of that in this fight, man. I just Quadras is a good fighter. I just don't think he has what it takes to to be the guy to to beat Chocolatito. No, not at this point. Um, yeah, I think I I think you're right about when he starts dropping his hands. I mean, dude, he he starts flying those hooks out from the hip. He starts shooting those uppercuts and and does ha- really has no regard for his chin because mm-hmm. the quality of opposition that he's faced hasn't been all that great. He's had some decent fights over his last five fights, but overall his resume is 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 relatively weak. So against fighters like that, you don't really need to protect you know protect your chin because when you're the one on the offensive onslaught and you're throwing so many punches, you know what I mean. And and, and, and he does have good punch variety. He does. Mm-hmm. He goes. He throws more left hook right hook combos that I see from a lot of guys, you know. I know a lot of Mexican fighters do like to brawl like that. I know a lot of the classic fighters, you would see guys back in the day who would literally just dig down into those hooks. I mean, Chavez was famous for it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Israel Vasquez, there's been a lot of guys like that. Quadras does fight from that same ilk, but I just think he's very he's very cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a huge opinion of his abilities, and I think that's part of the reason why you just see that chin sitting out there because he's just like, hey, you can do nothing to stop me, Holmes. Yeah. You know? But, I, I, dude, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, you talk about his inside game. You talk about his ability to make people miss. We always talk about his footwork. I mean, he's got the best footwork in the game of boxing. He shifts, shimmies, and shakes inside the pocket. Constant movement. Always on his toes. In and out. Back and forth. He uses his footwork to position himself to throw perfect punches. Chocolatito has one of the best straight overhand rights you will see in the game. And I'm telling you right now, in this fight, Chocolatito will have a chin of Quadras served up on a silver platter. And I think you're going to see Quadras try to come in aggressive early and try to just out-punch and overwhelm Chocolatito because I think he thinks that Chocolatito is the much smaller fighter coming up from 112. But I think you and I talked about this before the show, Vin. Mm -hmm. I think Chocolatito was bursting at the seams. He looked... Not all that healthy against Brian Valoria, did he? No, no, not at all. Look, I, I think one thing that people are sleeping on is, yeah, this three pounds, you know, although it's only three pounds, you got to take into account how small these guys are and what what three pounds actually means as, a, as, a, as according to weight ratio 
I think he's going to be a stronger fighter at 115 pounds and a harder puncher at 115 pounds. You know, thinking about a Chocolatito with better legs underneath of him than a guy at 112, that, that's a fucking scary thought, man. Dude, he sits down so well on that short overhand right. He does. It's a, he's a, Just the way that he operates in the pocket, there's nobody that does it in the sport, man, no. as good as he does. No, no, there's guys that, you know, they're master operators. Lomachenko is, is, is definitely one of them. But Lomachenko spins his opponent, and he's always maneuvering around his opponent. Chocolatito is right in your fucking grill the entire fight. Yeah, and I, and I just don't think Quadras has the disciplined enough attack. Uh, I, I just think Chocolatito will be in the pocket and be able to operate even easier than he has in the last couple fights with, with the way that Quadras throws punches at times. It, it's going to be a fun fight. Don't, I don't think it's a fucking like a blowout win for Chocolatito, but I think uh, later on in this fight he gets the stoppage. Yeah, um, I don't know about the stoppage, but I will say this. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I think he's got a really tough, determined, uh, power-punching Mexican on his hands mm-hmm. um, that is not going to give in. I'm not sure if Chocolatito can stop him or not because he's never been stopped. Uh, but that being said, I just think that Chocolatito is going to win um, in, in what could be a, a sleeper for fight of the year because I think Quadras is going to try – to be the bully. And if he mm-hmm. does that, he's going to get clipped, but it's also going to be exciting with him coming in, throwing all those punches. I really think we have an absolute physical barn burner on our hands. Maybe a knockout does happen, Ben, and, and maybe it happens. I, I tend to lean towards it happening in the case of these guys just going so hard and balls to the walls that one of them just craps out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then the TKO comes. But I think we have a hell of a fight on our hands. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. This has the makings of what could be a great fight. It just all depends on uh, we'll see exactly what Quadras is made of. We will. We will. Because some guys just, you know, fold like a lawn chair yeah. under pressure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's Mexican or not. Big, big talk, and he wants to be the bully. So let, let's see what you got, bud. The WBC super flyweight title on the line as the pound for pound king, Chocolatito Gonzalez, steps up to square off against Mexico's Carlos Quadras. In the co-feature of this uh, second serving of HBO Championship Boxing, a rematch of Yoshihiro Kamagai versus Jesus Soto Carras. First fight, L.A. Fight Club, Belasco Theater, barn burner, two gritty old veterans. Do you think one of them is just going to fall flat in the middle of this fight at some <laughs> point? I don't know, man. This is <laughs> it's one of them fights where it's like, hey, what do you bother picking who's going to win this fight for? Yeah. I mean, the first fight it was a razor-thin decision. What was it, a draw? Yeah, split draw. So, dude, <laughs> look, man, I, I want to lend some credence and some, you know, some seriousness to this fight, but mm-hmm. in reality, dude, this is two old guys uh, that are you know, basically willing to just throw it on the line. You know what they are? Look, I, here's an analogy, right? And uh, he, this fight, Kamigai versus Soto Karras, is the equivalent to a fluffer in the porn industry. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is just to get everybody lubed up and hot and bothered and ready to pump. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I I, I don't disagree. I, I don't see how you can't like this fight. I, I will make one complaint, and that is the only downfall of this fight is not at, at any time in this fight, there's zero threat of either one of these guys knocking the other one out. <laughs> so it's going to go the distance, and they're just going to trade punches it's almost like let's after like six rounds, you're like, all right, nothing's going to change here. I feel like this is a 
rinse and repeat every round almost. Yeah. That's fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. So why not have it in a 10-foot ring? <laughs> right. This is a uh, this is a BKB fight. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it, dude, it serves no, you know, no other purpose other than being just gratuitous violence. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I don't even want to pick a winner because both these guys are winners in my book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. All right, so that'll do it. HBO doubleheader. Uh, Eastern time, 5.30. Gennady Golovkin squares off against Kell Brook defending the Unified Middleweight Championship. 10 o'clock, HBO Championship Boxing returns from the Forum, Inglewood, California. Chocolatito versus Quadras and Kamagai versus Soto Carras. Two. The day before, on September 9th, I didn't really qualify this. It's part of the weekend. Let's just say that. But I didn't qualify this, even though it's the day before, as being the kickoff to the uh, the busy boxing schedule because while this this fight card is a tale of uh, a tale of two tapes if you will <laughs> um, no pun intended Danny Jacobs versus Sergio Mora two in the main event I have a lot to say about this the co feature Robert Easter Jr. versus Richard Kami this could be a fantastically great fight yeah it's I mean you you you, you haven't we haven't seen a matchup. With these two guys, uh, just the best that the best young fighters at that division right now with some of the scariest skills. Oh yeah, I you don't get matchups like this with guys. They're, they're fighting for the vacant belt, but normally you, you're going to see one of these guys fighting for the vacant IBF belt against the bum. Oh, ninety nine percent of yeah. the time. Well, so this is, I mean, this is a treat. Uh, this is going to be one of the best, most skillful fights of the weekend. So you will tolerate a rematch between Jacobs and Mora? Look. Yeah, I'll tolerate it the next day after I stop watching after Kami <laughs> and Easter. <laughs> uh, the main event for the Junior Varsity WBA middleweight title, uh, Danny Jacobs has managed to avoid Triple G to this point and gets a, uh, a thank you from Al Heyman against Sergio Mora in this rematch. But what just really confuses the hell out of me, and by this point you would think that it wouldn't confuse me anymore, is Danny Jacobs has been, I guess, you know, self-promoting himself pretty well. He's been doing a better job than the PBC has of promoting himself. He's always, he, you know, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's very visible. They, he had been talking about how he was going to be the face of Brooklyn boxing. Lou DiBella talking about how Danny Jacobs is going to be the face of Brooklyn boxing. They even went as far in his past couple PBC performances, right? The cards that he's been a part of and have pumped him up to say, you are, we're just going to put you in Brooklyn. We're going to build you up. Because, look, logically speaking, not to jump too far ahead, Danny Jacobs versus Gennady Golovkin is going to take place at Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center. That's where that fight's going to be. That's where it should be, and it's going to be a fucking sellout beyond Mm -hmm. belief, and it is going to be an unbelievable crowd, no doubt about it. So why leading up to that, knowing that the, the obligation as the mandatory challenger to Gennady Golovkin is going to be called into effect after this weekend passes, Mm -hmm. okay? Why would you lead into that fight if you're planning on honoring your mandatory and fighting Golovkin like you've said every five or six days after he signs a contract to fight somebody else? (laughs) Why are they putting this in the Santander Arena in Redding, Pennsylvania? Whatever happened to this face of Brooklyn boxing then? They got tired of paying a site fee. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they realized he doesn't sell tickets in his hometown. I mean, yeah, he, he he's just not a seller. Period. I don't care where you put him. Put him in his hometown. Put him in his own backyard with the. You know, I, it just doesn't matter. The guy, nobody really cares about Danny Jacobs. Honestly, there is a small group of PBC tards that do, 
And there's I, a couple journalists that have been with him when he first got his start and have followed him closely. So I think they speak positively of him because of that. And that's fine. Uh, look, he deserves all the credit in the world. We've said it a hundred times on the show for for being what he is and, and and becoming what he has become through a through a fight with cancer. But let's let's be honest. He's he's been a fucking protected junior varsity champion. His belt means absolutely nothing. This fight here with Mora, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if anybody watched what was the two rounds their first fight lasted. Oh, and Mora's leg snapped in that? Yeah, but before that, uh, before that, Mora was very successful. And Sergio Mora stinks. He fucking stinks on ice. He, He's terrible. He, dude, he pieced up Danny Jacobs in that first yes, round. Yes, and he dropped Danny Jacobs, the Latin snake. <laughs> so this is, I mean, they're taking a fucking risk here. And, and Are you serious? And look, I honestly fucking believe that because I don't think Danny Jacobs is that good. He's fought two fucking rounds in a year and a half. I, How many? Seriously. I don't disagree, but I would. That's just awesome. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 it, it's going to take a hell of a lot for, for Sergio Moore to win this fight or win a decision if it goes the distance. <laughs> It, it, but it, just think about this: Are we going to be? Are they going to make uh, Sergio Moore the mandatory to Triple G <laughs> if he wins? Are we going to have to sit through that fucking garbage? Uh, man, I don't think. Yeah, Which either way, I mean, with Jacobs, to me, it's garbage because Jacobs doesn't stand a chance either. I think it's safe to say I, I would go ahead and hedge your bet on uh, on on the rubber bands and Sergio Moore's knees snapping well before this thing goes the distance. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's how Jacobs won the first fight. Let's be honest; he didn't even touch the guy. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Moore is a crumbling fucking old man, dude. He's he is a four years, five years younger version of Sam Solomon. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. This yeah. guy was shot before the first fight. Anybody who had seen Sergio Moore's fight against Abraham Hahn, the fight before the first Danny Jacobs fight, saw that Moore's legs were. Toast. Dude, he squeaked by a decision. That was an A-side gift for Sergio Mora, and his knees were shot then. He hasn't looked good in a long time. I mean, dude, go back on his resume. The The only meaningful fight that he has had in the last six years was against Shane Mosley back in 2010. Fought him to a split draw, but what was Shane Mosley back then? And what, and what the hell was he doing fighting the, the Latin snake? I have absolutely no fucking idea. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even realize they fought. Dude, his knees are shot, and that's the moral of the story. I mean, Danny Jacobs will win this thing. It'll probably be impressive. It may even come on a phantom punch because once those things snap, it's over. Yeah, look, I'm not going to – I can't argue that. I just think that Danny Jacobs isn't that good. <laughs> and Sergio Moore is worse, but I, there's, there's a fucking very high possibility in my eyes that Sergio Moore looks good in this fight. Whether he makes it or he doesn't, he may end up getting knocked out eventually. But w- – what happens what happens to Danny Jacobs when he goes past six rounds? Does anybody fucking know? <laughs> uh, honestly. Uh, no. No. I, look, Ben. He's got two rounds of action in the last fucking year and a half. If maybe even longer than that. <laughs> You're really giving Sergio a shot here, aren't you? No, I'm just saying they both stink, and I don't really care. Because <laughs> whoever wins is going to get their ass dude, kicked. Dude, you almost had yourself sold on watching the fight. No. You, dude, that, that storyline you just pitched me. 
That is, dude, that's a promoter's dream, man. You should be p- promoting for the PBC. You just gave everybody a reason to tune into this fight because Sergio Mora stands a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, dude. Okay, so what's your prediction? I'll say Danny Jacobs ends up getting him somewhere late in this fight. Seven after after six, somewhere after six, Danny will catch him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Three or four rounds, man. Yeah, I think yeah. it's quick. Three or four. I just think Sergio Morris completely shot. Hey, look, while Danny Jacobs is completely untested, and for, I don't know, the impression I have in my mind is he's got a pretty shitty chin. Mm-hmm. Okay? You think? So, that being said, I don't know, man. I don't know what's worse, the shot fighter or the guy who's not tested, but Danny Jacobs is still a whole fighter. You know what I'm saying? He's still in shape. He's still in his prime, and I just think his strength and his quickness just be more than enough, man. I think there's a good enough. chance I might be coming back next uh, Wednesday and saying, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. I am rooting for Sergio. Who isn't? Yeah, I just, yeah. Dude, Danny Jacobs' career has been, it's been a mirage. The yes. entire thing has been a mirage. Yes. You know, the fact that somebody gives him the advice, maybe he just does it on his own. He totes around that WBA belt as if he is the middleweight champion of the world. To me, and this is just my perspective, I think it has completely diminished and made his reputation sort of laughable. I think everybody laughs at him like, dude, what the fuck is this guy doing? We all know what that really is. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're, you're a placeholder is all you are with a little piece of jewelry. No, you know what he is to me, Ben? He is a, a really quality mandatory challenger for mm-hmm. Gennady Golovkin. Yeah. Sign me up for that fight. Before Christmas, I'm down. Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't like that fight as much as other people do, but it, I'll take it. I mean, it's better than what we're getting with Triple G. It's true. Kelbrook. Oh, well, what? We get Kelbrook. We get Sergio. I mean, I'm just kidding. We get Danny Jacobs. <laughs> Kelbrook, Danny Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, Canelo Alvarez, and Chris Eubank in a row. They may not happen in the order that we want them. Yeah. But those are all the either, you know, the grudge fucks, like against, like, BJ Saunders and... And Chris Eubank, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then the ones that we really want to see, because obviously Canelo is the big fight, but but that I don't feel any closer to that fight than we've ever been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean the, the, all these promises that Canelo was going to do this, Canelo was going to do that, none of it's come to fruition. Everybody's backed out of everything that's happened with Triple G. So for now, I am content. This is not Willie Monroe. This is not Dominic Wade. I'm, I'm cool with what they're doing now, especially going over to the U.K. and 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 building his brand because there's no better fans in the world of professional boxing than in the United Kingdom. And look, he's if he's done one thing, Ken, he's uh he's proved that he can sell tickets just about anywhere on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Danny Jacobs versus Triple G's a big fight. All right, let's get to the undercard, okay? We briefly talked about it. Robert Easter Jr. versus Richard Kami for the vacant IBF lightweight title. We talked about how this is pitting two of the most talented 135-pounders on the planet. Mm -hmm. To me, this fight against this opponent, while PBCers will have no idea who Richard Kami is, so they'll just think that Robert Easter is going to steamroll him, I think this fight comes a little too early for Robert Easter. I think Robert Easter is probably one of the three best prospects in the world. He's a top three prospect in the world, especially after clearing the board with so many prospects becoming contender. Mm -hmm. Like you said in the the lead-up, okay, before the rundown, Usually you see these vacant IBF titles against bums. Yeah. He's coming into the ring against a guy in Richard Kami. Kami is strong. He's big for a lightweight. He's got a lot of solid physical experience. 
this guy is going to be by far the the best fighter Robert Easter has ever fought. This might be the best fighter that Robert Easter will fight in some time. Yeah, the biggest puncher he'll fight too. Kami's got a a charge in his right hand. This guy does not he does not play patty cake in the ring with his punches. Okay, he he comes in with a dude. He's got a beautiful lead left hook followed with a straight right on his way in. That it, 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 they're just Richard Kami is a guy that. It, kind of brings an entire package uh, is it super flashy super fast super quick no it's very quick it's good very very you know very good speed but not world-class speed but i'll tell you what man that, this guy has some sharp boxing skills hits hard and robert easter oh look even when you when you're saying robert easter hasn't been in with anybody commie's been a fighter that's fought a bunch of guys that are journeymen for the most part yeah this is the biggest fight for both of them to date to me ken this is the fight that i'm more interested in to see where both of these guys are at which one of these guys is the actual you know the best young fighter in that division right now because i think the winner of this stakes that claim yeah i'm not necessarily saying that kami's resume is better but from what i've seen from young prospects coming up in america is that they're not brought up properly they're they're moved along a little bit too fast um, against guys that are handpicked, you know, to make them look good. Mm-hmm. I will take the the build up to this point in, in in Richard Kami's career as being more tested. Not not because he's necessarily fought better fighters, but because he has international experience. This guy has fought all over the world, fighting different styles of fighters, different types of fighters. Yeah, sometimes the records, you know, aren't all that you know aren't all that great. Right. But most American fighters, especially young ones that come up in the PBC are brought up on just the absolute worst competition, and then typically they're thrown directly into the Wolves. Let's be honest. Errol Spence is one of the only PBC prospects that has survived his trial. A guy that, before the Algeri fight? Nobody. Nobody. So when he took the Algeri fight, I thought that that might be a little bit too much too early, and he could fall victim. But it takes a talent like Errol Spence to be able to rise to the occasion. Because if you're truly elite, then you will rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. I believe that Robert Easter Jr. is truly elite. What I like about Robert Easter Jr. is his ability to switch speeds. Yeah. Sometimes he pulls the jab a little bit. Sometimes he can use his jab uh, very powerfully. In this fight, he is going to have to land accurately with the jab. And here's why. One thing that stood out to me the most about Richard Comey and his boxing skill set, which I agree with you, is very solid and diverse, is that while he stands almost at range, when guys are feeling each other out with jabs, Mm -hmm. when he gets into range, Kami shifts his shoulders constantly. He is constantly moving his shoulders side to side and moving the target. He is extremely difficult to land a jab against. Extremely difficult. Now, will Easter's athleticism, because I do think he has the edge in that category, will his power, I'm not sure if he has the edge and power in this fight. I think Robert Easter's been fighting bums. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And a lot of these guys that Richard Kami knocked out were bums as well. I hope Robert Easter doesn't fall victim to the trend of young American fighters on the rise, but I think that this fight is going to be unbelievable, and I do think that Robert Easter is just has a little bit more, more weapons, a little bit more power, a little bit more quickness, and I think that will catch the judge's eye. Yeah, I think the difference in this fight, I'm, I'm going to be right along with you there. I think Easter is just slightly better than Kami in every category. 
uh, minus power. I think Kami is a is a little bit better power puncher than him. I just think Easter's range will be the difference in this fight. I mean, he's a he's five foot fucking eleven at one hundred and thirty five pounds. It's unheard of. He's a giant, and he's just a little bit quicker and a little bit more athletic. And I think that will be the difference in a close fight, like a you know one sixteen one twelve one seventeen one eleven type of fight. That you know even even though it's one seventeen one eleven, it was a little bit a little bit closer than that score might have indicated. Right. Yeah, and it'll be those things we touched on. Um, yeah, superiority in the athleticism department, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that that always seems to score points with the judges. Look, I think Robert Easter's got a little bit of dog in him. I'll be really interested to see how he reacts if Kami gets aggressive. Mm-hmm. How will he react if he gets chinned one time? There's a good chance that if Kami is able to, and I think Easter's going to have to use that athleticism to keep Richard Kami out of range from landing the big shots. But if Richard Kami lands a big shot, there's a good chance that Robert Easter will hit the ground. How does he react to that? Yeah, that, that's another question that, that may have to be answered because I'm telling you right now, if Kami does connect on the chin with the straight right, Mr. Easter will be picking himself up off the canvas. Hmm. Interesting, man. What's your prediction? I'm going to say Easter wins a, wins a tight one, real yeah. tight one. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that this one is uh, a split decision. I think Easter is going to take two out of three, but I think it's going to be a close enough fight to warrant one of the cards to Richard Kami. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's because Kami is able to drop Easter. Right. But let's not uh, pretend uh, Robert Easter has the ability um, to put Kami on his butt, too. I don't know if either of these guys has the concussive power right. coming up to this level to be able to just, you know, one punch, just knock the guy out. Right. But if you get hurt, how do you react? Robert Easter wins uh, a tight one. That's the most interesting fight of the weekend for me. Sure, sure. Uh, dude, it's prospects, man. Yep, yep. Got to love it. The future of boxing on display. All right, so that'll do it for the fight cards for the weekend. Friday night, we have PBC on Spike from Reading, Pennsylvania. Danny Jacobs versus Sergio Mora, too. Robert Easter Jr. versus Richard Kami. Be sure to tune in for that one. And then on Saturday night, the doubleheader, Triple G, Kelbrook, Chocolatito, Carlos Quadras in a rematch of Kamagai versus Soto Karras. News and notes, Vin. News and notes. I think there's going to be a trend moving forward. Anthony Joshua's name will probably be in this category quite a bit. Yeah. Moving along. To the chagrin, to much chagrin of our uh, our friends in the United Kingdom that just <laughs> think everybody's got their dick out whacking to this guy right now. <laughs> Put it away, Vin. <laughs> Put it away. Not me. Um, all right. So Eddie Hearn comes out, says November 26th. Looks like that's going to be the date. We had talked about this previously about what that meant for the intentions of him fighting his mandatory challenge against IBF uh, mandatory Joseph Parker. Looks like the 26th could. They're leaning towards Kubrat Pulev. But from what I hear to this point so far in negotiations is that it's not going very smoothly. I think Pulev knows the inevitable outcome of this fight and wants yeah. to be compensated for it. What? Charles Martin got $5 million? You better get me something close to that. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. See, I, I think they may have hurt themselves. Just, just going to ask you that. Did they set a wrong precedence there, Vin? Yeah, I mean, not only did they hurt themselves as they didn't really add to the allure of what Joshua is as a fighter with those two wins because those guys mean nothing on your resume when it's all said and done. No. They paid a ton of money. Oh, they paid a king's ransom for two guys that just don't matter to no. anybody in no. the sport. So, yeah, I think they've done it to themselves. So Eddie can thank himself, thank himself for that. If guys start asking for three and a half million plus to fight his boy, because you you created the market, my friend. Yeah, you know, With it, guys that are fucking barely top ten heavyweights, if if they are even. 
Yeah, well, look, oh, look. in the U.K., there seems to be a common perspective from the diehard fans over there that Eddie Hearn tends to overpromise and underdeliver, and then tries to back up him under-delivering by stacking undercards mm-hmm. with a bunch of just, you know, regional title fights or guys that are on the cusp, but nobody's really fighting anybody. And, and if they do have some of their bigger names that are A-sides, they're all fighting bums. Right, right. So he comes out and proclaims that he wants to put on a heavyweight triple header, that he wants Joshua versus Pulev. Joseph Parker, who's going to be the mandatory after these fights take place against David Price and Derek Chisora versus Dillian White, a triple cheeseburger of heavyweight action. Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you remember when McDonald's used to have the triple cheeseburger all the time? They bring it back every once in a while. Oh, that and the McRib. The McRib, they take a porridge of uh, like pork <laughs> of pork meltings, rendered pork meltings, and put them in in popsicle molds. That are dip sh- them in a sugar sauce. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, let me get a McRib and a triple cheeseburger, please. Yeah, side of a fucking heart attack. But think about it, though. I mean, like, do people plan their day out saying, you know what, I really want to have an uncomfortable bubblegut explosive diarrhea experience how do i achieve that you know what i mean because that's basically what you're doing i'd like to be stuck at the office if possible <laughs> yeah close to the bathroom as possible all right but enough about uh, triple cheeseburgers a triple header of heavyweights i don't know if it's going to be Pulev or not this big proclamation from eddie hearn says that for joshua as it pertains to him Pulev first joseph parker in march which looks like we're definitely going to get and then july at wembley against Either Deontay Wilder, David Hay, or Tyson Fury. I think it's going to be nearly impossible for Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren to make a fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. And if it happens, it's not going to be for a really long time. Yeah, there there goes uh, Eddie's mouth again, writing checks he cannot cash. No, there's too many factors. You just announced six mythical matchups. Right. I I don't think he can create that that triple header, period. At least not the matchups that he's saying. I don't really think he can get Parker and David Price in the ring. I think the Parker camp goes, eh, if we're getting Joshua next, I'll take a little bit less than David Price, please. Well, yeah, and maybe he does. Maybe he does. But look, from what I've seen from Joseph Parker is that he does not want to regress in his competition. No. He's stepping it up. He's progressively taking on tougher challenges. And I'll tell you what, man, taking on Carlos DeCam is far, far more dangerous fight than taking on a David Price who – continuously gets, yeah, right. you know, gets knocked. Dude, look, the size discrepancy, we've already seen Joseph Parker fight against big guys. So yeah. That's no problem. Parker's 6'4 himself. I think, personally, out of all this mythical fantasy matchups here, the only fight that we're definitely going to get is Joshua versus Parker. We don't even know who Joshua's fighting next. No. But we do know that it's probably going to be Joshua versus Parker for the first fight of 2017 for Anthony Joshua. That, that's the one fight that really matters to me. I, you know, I could care less about the Pulev fight. To me, Pulev is nothing. Yeah, he's I, a turd. I think Joshua walks right through that fucking Cobra Kai defense. That <laughs> he, he sits there with his fist curled up like Cobra is ready to fucking do something, but he just sits back and eats punches. Yeah. Pulev. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not interested in that fight. Does nothing for me. Joshua walks through him. Are you interested in a – look, okay, so – if, jo- if, if Joseph Parker's the fight for the first fight in 2017 and he says that they're going to Wembley and you were guaranteed one of the three fighters, you were guaranteed Wilder, Hay, or Fury. 
Which fight do you want to see in July at Wembley for Anthony Joshua? Get fucking hay off that list, please. <laughs> I, that's, that, I, that's, that's, that's what I really wanted to ask that's you. That's UK wank bank material right there. I, that's bullshit. Nobody cares about David Hay. <laughs> it, it, come on, he's fucking barely a heavyweight. He's a sideshow, dude. He, he is. He's a fucking sideshow. He's good at promoting himself. He, he belongs nowhere near the top of the heavyweight division. It's been proven already. Sorry. Fucking... David Hay, stay, do your own shit in the UK. Don't bother on the world fucking stage. Transition to YouTube celebrity. Yes, please. Just go away, man. <laughs> don't, don't, don't cross over to the United States anymore. We don't fucking need you. So which one do you want, Wilder or Fury? Because I, I think it's an easy pick. I, I, want, I want Wilder. To me, that's the funner fight. I, 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 either way, Fury's a, Fury, Joshua's a great fight, too. I think Wilder, Joshua happens first. I think they hold off on Joshua Fury as long as possible because I think they know they're going to lose that fight. Joshua being and her know that that's going to be a very tough win for them against Fury. Can they beat Wilder? Absolutely. Is it a tough fight? Yes. But they have a better chance of beating Wilder and staying on top for a little bit longer and making that Fury fight even better. You bring it back to Wembley for Fury again Yeah. if he sells it out. I think the potential of, of multiple fights against Joshua and Wilder yeah. Is is just dude? I think that's the if you're Eddie Hearn and Al Heyman who have clearly uh, shared a bed together before. Yeah. Um. You know, you see the writing on the wall. The fact that Al Heyman had had all those options, being able to just feed him freaking cannon fodder for opponents. That he's like, you know what? Now I'll serve up the champ. But what we're gonna do is both you and I are gonna make more money than we Eddie and Al will make more money than they ever have in the game of boxing that did not involve the name Floyd Mayweather, and they will do a trilogy of Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. That being said, that is way too good to be true. Yeah. That would be the best scenario. Sprinkle in some legitimate heavyweights in between, but we have seen a propensity. And as much as we lauded the U.K. for the number of world champions that we have, since over this year reign that they've had all these belts, U.K. fighters, most of them, have developed a reputation for only milking every last drop and swallow of what they can get financially and not testing themselves. We're we're seeing guys that were lower in notoriety that have bigger balls than some of these guys like Billy Joe Saunders and some of the bigger named champions over in the UK. We're seeing a guy like Anthony Kralla basically going into a fight that most people are going to pick him to lose yeah. against, against Jorge Linares. And you got Carl Frampton stepping up and daring to be great. But outside of a select few, Vin, I mean, it, it, they have not lived up to the billing. No, not at all. And look, when you, you cut it down to brass tacks, brass tacks with that group of guys, uh, there's about a handful of them that walked into uh, interim belts or vacant belts. They were, they're not lineal fucking champions they're not the guy that beat the guy, so I don't really give a shit. They've been promoted correctly and were promoted in, throughout a certain division in their weight class to, to get a shot at a belt, and that's all due credit to their promoter. But I'm sorry, Jack, that don't make you shit in my book. I don't really care. But is the casual fan base enough to sustain that for, oh, two, yeah. for, for two or three more years of shit defenses? The, the, the U.K. has a big enough casual fan base. Absolutely. They can pull that shit off. They can get away with it for two, three matchups. Before anybody really starts to give a shit. Can't wait, man. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Look, I'm interested if if this is able to happen. If this is just more hot air, you know, to fill dead space before boxing kicks off again, then take it and shove it up your ass, Eddie Hearn. Yeah, shove it in the uh, same place you shove that WBA heavyweight tournament. (laughs) 
Whatever happened to that, man? Huh? Hey, but the WBA will not allow Kell Brook to go forward. What a fucking laughing yeah. stock we, they are. We will not sanction this fight out of the protection of this fighter. Oh, is that why you guys created four different shields for fighters to hide behind because you were that now it makes sense then now having four champions in each division makes sense so we can protect these guys they're, they're, they're a joke i'm in the ibf just go away uh, all of them just go away all of them everyone uh go away they probably want us to go away too um speaking of heavyweights and uh we keep it over in europe Looks like Tyson Fury versus Vladimir Klitschko 2 is going to go forward on October 29th, as, as they have announced the co-feature of this fight. I don't know if it was uh, Klitschko threatening court litigation um, that uh, brought Team Fury back to the table to honor their contract, but it looks like Tyson's cousin, Huey, another big heavyweight that has some uh, some nice tools, mm-hmm. is stepping up big time against a very skilled boxer in Andy Ruiz Jr. from the United States. A guy's undefeated, one of top ranks, undefeated prospects that struggled a little bit with weight, seems to be back on track, staying in the gym. Mm -hmm. I think Andy Ruiz is the far superior fighter in this fight. I just think Andy Ruiz is six foot two with a 70 inch reach. He's got T-Rex arms and he's going in the ring with a guy that is equal in stature, maybe not in the pound, uh, the poundage department, but height and reached to his cousin Tyson. Yeah, I, I, look, it's an interesting fight. I mean, I'm surprised they make this fight. Two prospects in the heavyweight division. I don't think a, a loss hurts either one of their careers. But it's just not normally a fight you, you see made very often. Uh, you know, I'm not that high. I'm not as high on Andy Ruiz as some people are. I think he's solid, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Ken. I just I, I, I see Huey Fury as a much better boxer and a guy that, just he's going to be too big, too long for Andy Ruiz, which is the, I think Ruiz's problem from the get go. You already brought it up. He's just too small of a, not weight wise, no. size wise, reach wise is too small of a heavyweight. Yeah, the only thing he has going for him is boxing skill. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. he knows how to box. Yeah, but um, yeah, the yeah. intangibles just don't. Good luck getting in. Good luck getting inside against fucking heavyweights, man. It ain't easy. Yeah, and Huey Fury is aggressive. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like Andy Ruiz will be. Uh, will be on his back foot the entire time. Maybe old old Honest Bob is just trying to get options for Andy Ruiz moving forward. If he can end up winning this fight, then he'll get a shot against Tyson Fury. It's worth a shot. You know? It's worth a shot, man. Huey Fury ain't unbeatable by any means. No. No, not at all. Dude, he's super young. He doesn't yeah. have very much experience at all. Yeah, he's highly fucking touted over there, though. There's a lot of people that are very high on Huey. Well, hey, man, get it started early. Yeah. You know, maybe Team Fury's looking at it like we can get an undefeated heavyweight over here that some people know. And, you know, and, and take that leap a little faster with Huey. It's a respected win in the dork circles of boxing. <laughs> yeah, but I also think that they're trying. I think Team Fury's trying to speed up the pace with, with Huey a little bit because I think they believe their guy can take on the likes of a Deontay Wilder or an Anthony Joshua. He may not be ready for them yet, but I think they believe. Come on, man, let's pick up the pace while these guys are, are, are primed for the picking. I'll tell you the other reason they're picking up the pace is because Tyson Fury's, uh, I don't know how long his shelf life is in the sport. Not because he can't compete but because he just kind of seems disinterested at times yeah he's the way he's fucking played with this rematch it's like dude he just if he really cared that much he'd fucking get in the ring i think tyson fury is not a guy that you're gonna see boxing must much past the age of 30 really yeah (laughs) oh man just more awesome excitement and anticipation surrounding the rematch of tyson too gloom and doom for you ken then 
Cheer up, bud. It's fucking boxing. It's reality, brother. Hey, man, grab a beer out of the let fridge. Let it kick you in the balls and let it settle in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a good analogy, though, man. Boxing <laughs> fans are just that guy that just let themselves be kicked in the balls. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Oh, shit. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's just keep it on this on this train, then. Um, HBO pay-per-view. We've talked about every little change and uh, failed plan of Golden Boy to try to turn this into something watchable. Canelo Alvarez, Liam Smith, um, which takes place the week after uh, Golovkin versus Brooke from uh, Jarrah's World, Dallas, Texas, WBO junior middleweight title on the line. Look, Canelo has been a very defensive, bratty little bitch in this entire process. I mean, I don't think there's really any way to put it. I love Canelo. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. But the way Golden Boy and Team Canelo have handled this Triple G situation has left. Look, I understand they don't value American uh, boxing fans that as long as they have, you know, the Mexican legion behind them. Mm-hmm. And according to every Mexican boxing fan that I, that, that I either communicate with or friends with through social media, they all say that they're still loyal to Canelo. But I've also heard many say that they will arrive to Canelo versus Golovkin if the fight ever does happen wearing Mexicans for Golovkin's hats and T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Canelo Alvarez and all of his backpedaling and excuse making comes out and makes a statement. This is his latest response to all the Triple G talk. You know what? I'm just focused right now on winning a world championship. Oh, is that right? That's it. Your you know, actions man, say, say just that. Man, I don't want to talk about Golovkin. I don't want to talk about the guy that I literally vacated the lineal WBC middleweight championship of the lineal, the lineal middleweight title. You know what? No, I'm going to dodge this guy. Um, because now I really have to focus on becoming a world champion. <laughs> Dude, the, the world championship, Vin, that he just handed over to Gennady Golovkin and said, yes, I am a bitch. Yes. You know what That's I'm exactly saying? exactly what he did. Yeah. That belt, he hands it across, but now he's on to bigger and better things, taking on the weakest champion in the 154-pound division to win the WBO light middleweight title. I mean, come on, dude. Canelo. Who are you talking to? Do you think that this is 1983 where only your little village in Mexico gets the fucking newspaper? <laughs> Look, man, if you can't deal with the fucking heat, then don't don't bitch out like that. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't lead the world. Don't go into the ring after you beat Cotto and say, I'm not fucking scared to fight anybody. We'll, we'll fight Golovkin tomorrow. Ten days later. Here you go. Yeah. It, it's just complete horseshit. You. You, you might as well not say anything at all. Just say, you know what, nah, next next question. I'm just focusing on my next fight. Yeah, ne- next question. Just don't, to, to entertain that shit, I mean, the, the more they talk, just the fucking deeper the hole gets for them. I, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I hate, hate, hate that I have to talk about fucking Canelo like this because I, I respect what he is in the ring, but God damn it, man. He is climbing that list of guys that I just... I can't fucking take anymore when they open their mouths. But that's what diehard boxing fans are most frustrated with. It's not the way guys fight per se. They're all, although there are some that, that definitely dig their own grave in that respect. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, dude, look, it's, it's the constant, like, okay, so we build up this guy, we get behind this guy, and now he just turns into every other self-centered A-side diva in boxing and – Everything that you are in the ring, because what Golovkin, I mean, what Canelo is in the ring, dude, he's a monster. 
He can box. He's a great counterpuncher. He's shown us improvement in his agility, his waist movement, his, his, his ability to pivot his upper body mm-hmm. as a defensive weapon while standing firmly planted, ready to throw the power punch. He has proved everything we wanted to see. I love Canelo Alvarez as a fighter, but he fits the bill for everything that frustrates boxing fans on being a fucking diva and doing everything possible to ruin one's reputation on the way, basically while riding you know, in the front seat as the engineer on this gravy train. Because that's what it is. It's just a gravy train now. He's like, I fought all these big names before 25 years old. Who's Golovkin? Well, in in case you haven't been paying attention, Canelo, uh, Gennady Golovkin is the scariest motherfucker on the planet, and you just bitched out, got down on one knee, and said, here, here's my manhood. Yeah. It belongs to you now. This is fucking pathetic. It it really is. And the more and more I think about it and the more and more we talk about it, it just drives me fucking insane, man. Is it more frustrating? Is it frustrating What's what's frustrating to me is that we finally we're we're getting rid of the fucking we're getting rid of Floyd Mayweather we're getting rid of you know Manny Pacquiao is fighting again yes but he's on his way out the door and the Kodos can't find a fight on their way out the door the, the these fucking divas that were the that we thought were the the issue and once we get rid of these guys this fucking new generation is going to be different Ken oh they laid the groundwork Fuck for those guys no these guys are taking the blueprint and running right with that shit, and that's the most frustrating part about it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Can't we just be fans of a fighter that just doesn't give us any bullshit? Yeah. But as in the ring, there's always two sides to the story, I guess. Yep. Just depends on what side of history you want to be on, Vin. Uh, I don't know what side of history I want to be on. I'm I'm sitting here talking about boxing again. Vince, we're making history. (laughs) With episode 130. You know what I'm saying? I think we might be. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a fair statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever civilization comes after this, after, uh, you know, World War III and the nuclear holocaust, whatever whatever civilization rises, they will still, they will still be listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast because I built a second studio in that nuke bunker out out back, so we're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on, Putin. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, shit. Um, October 22nd, um, 2016, it's been announced, Bell Center, Montreal, Canada. No, no, folks, this is not going to be David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens. What? But instead, we will see David Lemieux fight a guy with seven losses named Christian Fabian Rios. No, not Brandon Rios's uh, cousin. Nope. Christian Fabian Rios, because apparently HBO has completely blown their wide on things that they probably shouldn't have this year, and there's no money to pay Curtis Stevens to take that kind of risk against David Lemieux. And I don't blame Curtis Stevens. I don't necessarily blame David Lemieux either, but what this says is, is that HBO doesn't give a fuck because they are in the business of promoting A-sides. Yeah. It, it, and it looks more and more like that every day because that's what they spend their money on. It's getting bad, getting real bad, and it's, it's just a fucking horrible look for HBO boxing right now. Just the, this, this whole year has been an absolute fucking just disaster wrapped in a fucking tornado in an earthquake, just fucking up in flames garbage that they've put out all year you think hirschman saw the writing on the wall saw this coming down the pipeline with the budget cuts and was like dude i'm out of here i'm going to get another job yeah I, yeah I i'm don't, not gonna take the blame for this I, i'm sure there was writing on the wall i mean i'm sure that there's executives that were coming to him saying look this fucking party is coming to an end here soon yeah because we're, we're not paying for this we're, we're paying a half a billion dollars for game of thrones right and we can produce television shows that people actually fucking watch <laughs> you know what i mean seriously that's yeah. That's the argument that you got to listen to as a guy that seriously has to like go into a fucking network's head, head's office 
and act like boxing isn't a bunch of bullshit that nobody watches. Yeah. And and, and get money for it. Dude, it's like being a park ranger, okay, uh, that is absolutely adamant about saving a species of trees. But they have to go through the bureaucracy of the government, and then once their claim gets up to whoever needs to hear it, they're the ones that get hit with the budget cuts because they're just some hippie park ranger out there that's trying to save trees. Right. And that's what boxing is to HBO. They hear them. They see them in the far distant corner. Right. They're like, come on, man. Uh, do we want to save those three trees or do we want to, you know, or, or do we want to build more nuclear bombs and tanks? Come on. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, dude, I, I completely get it. And I think that's I, – I, I don't blame HBO, man. It, Guys, the sport of boxing has got to figure out a way to rebuild itself amongst sports fans and a regular. Just you have to grow. They have done nothing but just slowly fucking leak fans for the last twenty years, and it's yeah. down to you're you're a fucking endangered species, man. Supply and demand, Vin. Yeah. If nobody's demanding it, then why pour money into it when we can th- look? If if the if the producer executive producer of Game of Thrones came to me and said, "Hey man, um, I need like three million dollars for this CG effect for this dragon scene," and then right after that meeting, a knock on the door, and here comes Peter Nelson into the office and says, uh, "Hey man, I need a uh, three million dollars to put on uh, Gennady Golovkin versus Andre Ward, uh, follow up this uh, Crusher Kovalev Ward fight," <laughs> um, and they'll be like. Uh, Game of Thrones wins. I guess we're going to have that CG dragon effect that you see for 15 seconds on screen. That I mean, look, right. I know that's silly, and that may, that may be an extreme exaggeration of the case, right. but HBO would much rather make Game of Thrones as completely awesome as it can possibly be because they know that that gravy train will be ending here soon with the announcement mm-hmm. of the final episodes, right? So, yeah, they're going to pour everything into that. So guess what, boxing? Look, we may come back to you here in the next two or three years, but for now, just sit back and relax and watch Darnarius uh, Stormborn <laughs> take back Westeros on the backs of her dragons. Hey, I'll, I'll take that all day. <laughs> it's been better than boxing for the last fucking the last year's season. Destroys the, any, any year of boxing I can remember <laughs> in recent history. Yeah, yeah. La- dude, those last two episodes, man, were unbelievable. So, yeah, if that costs me a, a shitty fight that, that they have to overpay for, I'll take the dragon effect, brother. <sighs> I guess if you look at it like that, we just, yeah, okay, I guess we just convinced ourselves that it's, uh, yeah, who cares? I guess boxing is going to suck now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, at least we get uh, cool special effects, man. It's better to just face reality as a boxing fan. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I don't know if Bob Arum is going to ever be able to step back into reality. I think he's passed. I think he's taken a step off the. Um, he's in Senile City, bro. Yeah, dude. The le- yeah, he fell off a ledge into Senile City. <laughs> uh, you know, did you ever watch that TV show that was on back in the days, uh, Jim Henson's Dinosaurs with the Talking Dinosaur Family? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like TGI Friday show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. And they were kind of like supposed to be like a Al Bundy sort of, you know, right. Whatever, um, and and they had the grandma dinosaur who was in the wheelchair who always had like sarcastic remarks. Well, there was an episode where it was the uh, tradition at seventy two years old that the oldest uh, child in the family pushes their parent off off a cliff into a tar pit, and and that's how they like use population control. Right. And she's been looking forward to as she's gotten older her entire life getting to her seventy second birthday, but her son can't push her off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Dude, I think Bob Arum should have been pu- pushed off that cliff at 72 and, sh- and saved us 12 years of bullshit. You're we- right. You know what I mean? Because, look, granted, we got Floyd Mayweather's early early years. Manny Pacquiao was promoted very well by Bob Arum. But at this point, 
everything that he says seems like nonsense. And now he's talking about having a meeting with Steven Espinoza over at Showtime to try to get dates for Vasily Lomachenko, Terrence Crawford, and Tim Bradley. Let me ask you this. First, it's a two-part question. Okay. One, does it seem to you that Showtime has any more slots for any more fights? One, yes or no? Absolutely not. Okay. Secondly, where is Showtime in their budget? Okay. We're not talking about, uh, you know, a company that's sitting here throwing extravagant money out. Those were the idiotic investors into the PBC mm-hmm. that paid all those, all those high uh, price tags. But let's do the math here. I know Lomachenko's guarantee is 800000 Okay. I know Crawford's guarantee now is like up into the mid one million. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know Bradley's, I, he just resigned with top rank. I don't know what his guarantee is. It's at least a mil. But it was two million prior to that. I, I, I got to say it's at least 1.5 for him. All right. Let's say that. So you're talking $4 million we need to find in the budget for these three fighters that are going to want to fight at least twice a year. So you're talking about $4 million times two times. You need $8 million to have these guys on at a minimum. But if you're going to do that, is it worth the investment if you're only going to put them on twice a year? I just think this whole thing is Bob Aaron blowing smoke out his ass to get HBO to come a call. I think Bob is, he don't know what to do right now. He, he don't know where to turn. He's got no new ideas. He's got nothing behind this possible threat to HBO to get them to, oh, my God, Bob's, Bob's going to walk. He's going to take Lomachenko. We're going to lose 600,000 fucking viewers. They don't care. This is such a non-threat to HBO. Why did they go ahead? Please. Yes. Yeah. Do that. We're good. We got Golden Boy main events in K2. We're if, fine. If that is his play here, uh, Bob, that, that fucking ship sailed <laughs> 10 years ago when you guys were, when there was a fucking a bidding war for Tyson and, and, and whoever else, when HBO and Showtime were going at it back in the day. It ain't like that anymore. The landscape has changed, Bob. It's time for you to be put out to pasture. You, you, you He's just lost. He's his, lost. His, his ego mismanaged. His delusion plus his ego mismanaged the entire rise of the PPC. I say all this with all due respect to what Bob Arum has meant to the history of this sport as a promoter and being possibly the greatest promoter ever when it's all said and done. But there's an end to everything. All good things come to an end, Bob. You should be able to see it. Take a good fucking hard look in the mirror and walk away. Please. Please. <laughs> Does the addition and the announcement of Nonito Donaire versus Jesse Magdaleno on the undercard of Pacquiao versus Vargas help sell this thing a little bit more? No. I'm watching regardless because I like watching Pacquiao, and I think Pacquiao-Vargas is a good fight. I, I watch, too, uh, for the same reasons. I, I like Manny Pacquiao. You know, I'm, I'm pissed that I got to fucking keep paying for this shit. Yeah, but I'm, go- I'm going to. I give, You'll I, miss him when he's gone. Ben. Pacquiao has earned that for me as a boxing fan. I will give him that. Oh, he, he, yeah, he definitely built up some equity in the, in the past. But Nonito Donaire does not fucking add to the chub. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, he, he's a vulnerable dude these days, man. He's he, in some exciting fights. He is. I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just could care less about where his career goes yeah, at this point. Yeah, where is it going? Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, dude, he literally walked right into this belt. He did. <laughs> and Magdaleno's, uh, he's kind of a struggling, lost in translation guy right now. It's a crossroads fight for both of them, I guess. One's career uh, may not ever take off. The other one's may be done, but uh, it, does, it doesn't do much for me. No, me neither, man. Um, you know, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know? It's been that kind of show, huh? 
Yeah, I guess so. I'm just kind of shaking off the cobwebs from, uh, you know, that big old month off from boxing pretty much. Slumber, the days. Yeah, yeah. Time to stretch. The NFL uh, season kicks off this week. Oh, dude, college football was fucking unbelievable yesterday. Hell of a oh, kickoff All weekend. weekend, really. All weekend it was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Dude, there's a lot to look forward to, especially with a lot of fights on the horizon. November 19th is official. Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward. So, uh, yeah, I guess Ward is, is going to do the deal. They got a fight poster made. The tickets are on sale. Hey, what do you know? Apparently, the ticket sales are doing pretty well. They sold like 10000 sold like half the arena in the first week. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, you know, uh, I'm not going to put much weight behind that fucking statement. Yeah, I don't really I, care who shows up. I just want to see the fight. Yeah, just let's fight. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care how many people. Either are way, in, I got to pay arena. $70 to not be there. Right. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but it is good to go. Kovalev versus Ward, um, uh, November 19th, T-Mobile Arena. Las Vegas, Nevada. But I think that is going to do it for uh, all the boxing talk here on episode 130, man. Yeah, let's wrap this bad boy up. Still got time for a few Labor Day beers there, bud. Yes, sir. Squeeze them in, fire the grill up uh, for sure. But we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 130 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, the tale of the tape. Then, if they don't know, they better learn. Sports Rant Radio Podcast. <laughs> Four episodes into it. If you haven't heard the show yet, you're a fan of college football, the NFL. Get dialed in. At Sports Rant Radio, sportsrantradio.com. Check out the new podcast starring Vin and myself. What else do you need? <laughs> hey, shout out to uh, old Ding Dong Bell, Alan Bell, for sending the uh, Tale of Tape tailor made t shirts to us. Absolutely appreciate that. Uh, no doubt. We appreciate all of you that tune in to the show you've been listening to episode 130 of the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on theboxingrant.com be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes youtube spreaker and google play drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the ways to subscribe to the tale of the tape and our new podcast venture sports rant radio But until next week on episode 131, enjoy the fights this weekend and week one of the NFL. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.